if you have your Bibles. Turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, as last week we looked at James chapter 1, 5 through 8, but we didn't quite finish, and so we're going to pick up in part 2 of On the Pursuit of Wisdom. Now, as you're turning there, let me ask you a couple questions. What is some of the best advice that you have ever received? What's some of the best advice you've ever heard? As you think back over your life and you think back to the wise people that have come around you and supported you and given you good counsel, what would be some of the wisest, wisest advice that you've received? I recall at times my mom uh, telling me about KISS, keep it simple, sweetie, uh, was one piece of good advice. I remember going to a graduation ceremony and hearing the commencement speaker give a good piece of advice. It got up and said, if at first you don't succeed... Just quit. Why keep doing something you're not good at? That's called terrible advice. There's also the advice like Yogi Yogi Bear that would say, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. You'll get that later, I think, maybe. (laughs) Or some of his other good advice that you should always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't come to yours. There's some good advice that we've received, some bad advice that we may have heard over time, but what is the best counsel? What is the best wise counsel that you've received in your life? This morning, as we look at James chapter one, we're gonna continue with this subject of understanding how how rich and how good it is to seek after wisdom. So let's reread James chapter one, five through eight together, and then let's dive in this. If any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him but let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Let's pray together. Lord, would you teach us, shape us, and mold us into your image today with the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Help us, train us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Now, if we remember last week where we were, we looked at the reality that this verse was written to the Jews who are in the dispersion. They're, they're dispersed out because of persecution. They're being led away because of persecution. So they are in the midst of trials of various kinds. So these believers that James is writing to are in the midst of a heated persecution battle. And so we saw last week that persecution trials would come and that we would seek after being perfect, that we would be lacking in nothing. And then he moves to, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Now, I don't think there's anything that would remind us how much we are lacking in things other than trials of various kinds. Trials of various kinds are a, just a tailor-made way of reminding us of how much we lack different things. I recall when my brother would come back from college, uh, you know, I would be going through high school, going through sports. I'd be working out every day, still able to maintain that incredible muscular physique even to this day. Why are you laughing? (laughs) No, it's true. So we'd go through high school, working out every day and continuing to build my muscle. And I would always think when my brother would come back from college, man, this is going to be the time that I'm finally going to pin my brother. There's something as brothers, you just gotta, I gotta pin him, right? If I could just one day pin my brother, I would overtake him. There's something about brothers that you just, you wanna pin each other, 
right? If you have a brother, you know what it's like, right? And so my, my brother's older, about four and a half years, and so when he would come back from college, there would always be that moment in the kitchen where it's like, I got you. And so we'd go into the carpeted living room, and for about 15 seconds, we would wrestle together, and then invariably, my brother would get on top of me and pin me down, and I would think, oh man, I've lost like all of a sudden, all this strength that I thought I had, all this, all this incredible muscle mass that I thought I had in 15 seconds as he pinned me to the ground, I realized I am not nearly as strong and as powerful as I thought that I was. <laughs> Clearly, right? Clearly. And so in that moment, you realize, man, I need more muscle. I need more working out. I need more strength. The same thing happens when we walk through trials of various kinds. It's usually as we walk through those trials that we're reminded almost instantaneously, man, I need more wisdom. I need more grace. I need more strength. I need more because this is hard. These trials of various kinds humble us and remind us how much and how lacking at times that we are. Now, let me remind you clearly that James is not writing us that we would have wisdom to circumvent the trial of various kinds. James is not writing to the Jews saying, hey, Jews, through the dispersion, through your persecution, seek wisdom, and you'll be able to walk your way out of the trial. No, he's telling them, I'm going to give you wisdom so that you would know how to walk in the midst of the trial because we know the trial is producing steadfastness and perfection in us. So I want to be very clear that we're not seeking wisdom to learn the pathway out of the trial. And I got to confess, this is where I am a lot. Right, God, would you give me wisdom so I know how to get out of this thing? God, I need the wisdom so I can walk out of this thing, so I can stop being in the midst of this trial of various kinds. Get me out of here, right? But indeed, God has given us wisdom to walk in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the trial with righteousness and holiness and faith. And so we would seek after it. We reminded last week that we seek after wisdom more than than gold and silver or anything else. And I was reminded back last week as we looked at that. In the 1850s, as the gold rush went across the United States in California, 300,000 people almost overnight uprooted and went to California to seek after gold. I mean, they left everything behind to go and search, seeking after this precious thing that was in the riverbeds and it was in streams and all these different places. 300,000 people packed up everything, put on their gear, and began searching with preciousness for this gold. And I got to thinking, how sweet would it be if this church rose up from this place every Sunday with that same attitude to say, I'm going. I'm going to find that gold. I'm going to search for it. I'm going to chase the riverbeds. I'm going to seek after it. I'm going to dig. I'm going to pan. I'm going to find that nugget of wisdom that God has for me. I'm going to leave everything. I'm searching for it. I'm going for it. I'm running after it. I'm praying for it. I want that golden nugget of wisdom more than anything else in this world. You imagine it's 300,000 people uprooted their lives and ran seeking after those golden nuggets, panning in riverbeds, taking axes to mountains, looking for those nuggets of gold that they knew would change everything for them. And I believe we have that same opportunity in front of us that we would search after, seek after, run after, leave everything behind that we would go after the wisdom. So let's then launch into this this morning. So where we left off last week is not recognizing that God wants to give generously and favorably without reproach, but let's look at number one, ask in expectation. 
We see that God has called us, that he wants to give wisdom, and we ask then an expectation that he's going to give us this wisdom. If you see verse six, it says, let him ask in faith, faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Yesterday, I got the joy of sitting on the beach watching my kids play in, this, uh, in the ocean and as I was watching, knowing that I'm about to preach on this verse, I'm sitting there watching my kids play, sitting in a chair. They have the boogie boards, and they're just going to town. Red flag is, is, is a waving, and they're just having the time of their life. And, and in a moment, I look down for just a second, and I look up, and the kids are gone. I mean, gone. You know those moments. You look down for just a second. You look up. Kids not in front of you. And all of a sudden, in about 15 seconds, they've launched their way all the way down to the side of the sea. I mean, they're just, they're gone. The waves have just taken them as far as the eye could see because, I mean, they were just boogie boarding their way up and down and all of a sudden the waves have tossed them all the way down to the end of the beach. How quickly, how simply, when we're not anchored to anything, the waves toss us to and fro. And you look at how James is reminding us when we ask, not in faith, with much doubting, we're driven and tossed by the sea. This double-mindedness that James is talking about means divided loyalty. Not just double-minded, but a divided loyalty. Meaning that when we ask for wisdom, we're saying, God, I want this wisdom, I need this wisdom, but you know what, I don't know, I don't know that you're gonna give it. God, I, I need this wisdom, Lord, would you give me please this wisdom? But at the same time, we're saying, and even if you don't, I'm still gonna do it my own way. Or even if you give it, I'm going to do it my own way. There's a divided loyalty that would say, I want it, I need it, but I don't really believe that you're going to deliver it to me. If you turn over for a moment to Mark chapter 9, I want to look for a moment at a verse that's been tremendously helpful to me when it comes to these verses. Because there's a part of me that prays for things, but at the same time, I think, is it just... Is it a lack of belief? Is it a lack of faith? And I come to this father in Mark chapter 9, and his son is convulsing, has been taken by an evil, unclean spirit, is convulsing this boy to the ground. And his entire life, this father has watched as his son has been plagued by this unclean spirit. And so this father has got to be experiencing just the utmost of discouragement. Week after week, day after day, seeing his son tossed and turned and convulsing. And Jesus comes and says, how long has this been happening to him? And he reminds him from childhood. It's cast him into the fire, into water, trying to destroy him. And this father says, if you can do anything, please have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Increase my faith, Lord. I believe, but help me because I don't know that I believe enough. As you come to these verses on wisdom and as you come to James saying, believe and don't doubt, it's at times we have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe, but help me to believe more. Increase my faith, Lord. I believe, but help me because I want to believe more. We don't want to be driven and tossed by the wind and the waves and the sea. We want to be anchored to truth. And friends, this is why it's critical for us to understand the truth of God's word. Last week, I talked about how God wants to give wisdom. And I told you in my own heart, there's times where I come to say, Lord, why would you want to give me wisdom? Don't you know how often and how much I mess up? Why would you want to give me wisdom? And that's when we say, Lord, I see clearly in your text that you want to do it. 
There's times we come to say, man, God, there's no way that you could possibly love me. And that's when we go back to there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see it. We see it in the text, but we have to believe it truthfully in our heart. So first and foremost, friends, we ask for wisdom in expectation that God is going to give it. We don't ask saying, God, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you're willing. I don't know if you're able, Lord. I I don't know if you're really gonna provide. I don't know if you're good enough to provide. I don't know if you're loving enough to truly give to me. No, we ask in expectation, knowing that he wants to give it and he gives it generously and fully. So number one, we ask in expectation. But number two, we also walk alongside wise counsel. We walk alongside wise counsel. Proverbs 13, 20 reminds us, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of the fool suffers harm. On top of seeking counsel, we remind ourselves that we walk alongside wise counsel and wise people. I'm reminded sometimes as we walk through difficulties and trials of various kinds that it's good for us to walk beside wise people. In high school, somehow I find, found my way into a pre-calculus class. They shouldn't have let me anywhere near those textbooks. But I wanted to be next to my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, I wanted to take a class with her. And my wife is one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. Smarter, wiser than anybody I know. I, I'm not. I'm not, I was not a good student, I was not a very good, uh, especially at math and sciences, but I wanted to be in a class with her, I wanted to be near her, and so the only way I could do that is to take pre-calculus. And I recall sitting back as a senior in high school taking pre-calculus, how that class, I studied more than I've ever studied before. I took better notes than I'd ever taken before because she was by my side. We studied more than I'd ever studied before because I wanted to, I mean, obviously I wanted to be with her and study with her. There's something about being with a a good student that made me a better student. She pushed me, she compelled me. We sat together, we took notes together. She made sure I was taking good notes together. We studied before tests together. And I don't know that I made A's like she did, but I didn't make D's or C's like I normally would have. There's something about walking with wise people that makes us wise. I would ask you, as you begin to think about the people that you have placed around yourself, have you placed wise people around yourself? Are you walking with wise people? Are you walking with people who give you good godly wisdom? Are you walking with people who point you to Jesus? Are you walking with people who continue to give you the word? Are you walking with people who make you better and wiser and stronger? Because the flip side is also true. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 33 reminds us, bad company corrupts good morals. Are we continuing to make unwise decisions? Are we continuing to walk in unwise ways? Are we surrounding ourselves with unwise people who are leading us towards unwise pathways? See, we often get God's counsel through God's people, but we primarily get God's counsel through his word. Let me be very clear. God's people are instrumental in providing God's wisdom to us, but God's word is the ultimate source of God's wisdom. I want to just think for a second, if, if you recall coming to a candlelight service here at the church, if you've been to a Christmas Eve candlelight service, it's one of my favorite services throughout the year. 
And I love that moment. We're sitting up here singing Silent Night, and I'm holding on to the candle, and we've got the staff going out, and all of a sudden, a dark room becomes illuminated by all the different candles in the room. As all the lights go out, in, in about five minutes, you take one candle, and all of a sudden, every person holding on to a candle, you begin to see much clearer what's going on in the room. In an instant, darkness moves to light. As everybody takes their candles and holds them tightly and brightly and holds them up, you begin to see a better picture of the room, a better picture of the people around you. And to me, this is what it looks like, that there's wisdom and an abundance of counselors. When you walk through dark situations, you bring people who can hold a light to it to show you and lead you through it. As you get a wisdom and an abundance of counselors, it takes dark areas, dark places, dark moments, and it begins to illuminate them through the light of the word. So we know that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And many times we stumble and we trip in the darkness. But we stumble and trip trying to walk through this pathway that God has before us without utilizing the lamp and the light that's right here for us. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. It's filled with wisdom for us, yet oftentimes we turn it off and put it to the side and think, well, I've got enough light on my own. Walk alongside wise counsel, friends. We know 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that if if wise in this present age, let them become fools, that the wisdom in this world is folly to God. So we walk alongside wise counsel. Number three, we go forth in obedience. This is truly where the rubber meets the road this morning. This morning of all that we're talking about, this is where the rubber of what we're talking about meets the road of life. Go forth in obedience. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Can I tell you, it does no good if we seek after wisdom if we seek after knowledge and understanding, if we put an abundance of counselors all around us, if we seek after wise counselors to help us and lead us, it does no good if we seek after God's word and we seek after his way. But at the end of the day, we end up going our own way. It does no good if we say, here's what God's word tells us, here's what the abundance of counselors has told me, here's what is right and righteous, here's what is good for me to do, but you say, you know what, I'm gonna follow my flesh. Friends, when we take an abundance of counselors, when we seek after God's word and his wisdom, the next step for us in wisdom is to follow his word and his way. I think the problem for many of us is not knowing the right thing to do, it's implementing it. It's following through the end of wisdom, which is doing God's righteousness and his holiness. Can I give you three words? And I want you to write this down somewhere on your outline. Let me give you three words, one question. It has revolutionized the way that I follow Jesus and that I make wise discernments. It's three simple words and one question. Is this wise? This question has helped me tremendously as I've walked through my life to ask the simple question, is this wise? Have I perfectly nailed it every time? Absolutely not. But in my life, the big things and the little things, asking the simple question, is this wise? 
Is this wise to go this fast on the interstate? Is it wise for me to date this person? Is it wise for me to do this? Is it wise for me to accept this job? Is it wise for me to talk the way that I'm talking? Is it wise for me to allow this into my home? Is it wise for me to watch this? Is it wise for me to go to this place or that place? Is it wise for me to talk to this person the way that I am? Is it wise? And so often we get caught in, Mark, can I do this? Am I allowed to do this? Is it a sin to do this? Is it wrong to do this? But the question that we should be asking, is this wise? And friends, when we begin to ask that question of the smallest of decisions, the biggest of decisions, the way that we walk, the way that we talk, when we begin to ask the question, is this wise for me and my family? Is this a God-honoring, wise decision? Friends, it changes so much of how we act and live in this world. If this is real talk, real faith, is it wise? I do believe as we begin to pour that question over in our souls, as we begin to seek after the Lord in everything that we do, it changes everything for us. We're concerned more about making the wise choice, being a sage in wisdom, rather than just making the next decision that's in front of us. So number three, go forth in obedience. And lastly, don't forget the source. Don't forget the source. You look back at what we talked about. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And can I tell you, as we conclude this time on wisdom and as we look forward to other things, let me just encourage you, don't forget the source. Many of you have asked, Mark, I need wisdom for different things I'm facing in my life. I need wisdom now for decisions that I'm facing and I'm walking through. I need, I need wisdom. I need to know what's next. The heart of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. If you want wisdom, pursue God. If you want wisdom and knowledge and understanding, pursue the Lord. The outside, the outset, the end of all wisdom is knowing and trusting in Jesus. We don't just say, I need wisdom and I yank some wisdom off and make it through the day. No, our goal as we pursue wisdom is to know and have God. He is the source of all wisdom. He's the strength that we chase after. And we cannot forsake the source of all wisdom. We ask in expectation. We put people around us who will be our wise counsel. We go forth in obedience asking the question, is it wise for us to do as believers in this world? Is it wise? And we don't forget the source. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I again want to stop for a second, and I just want to ask that your wisdom would be all over us. I know right now in this room, there are people who are facing big decisions in their life. But also know there are people in this room who are facing small decisions, things of just what do I do next? What is the next step to take today? Lord, I pray that you would humble us, that you would humble us so deeply that we would seek after and search after your wisdom and not our own. Lord, thank you for the abundance of counselors that you put all around us to help us, that they illuminate our pathways. But Lord, I pray that we would seek after your wisdom through your word and through your people. Lord, at the end of it, though, we want to find you. Lord, at the end of our search, we want to find you. We want to know you. We want to be near to you, Lord. So whatever we face, whatever it is that we're walking to in the cloudy future, 
I pray that your wisdom would so compel us to walk according to your way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.